up real high, say, this is God's word, not Pastor Evan's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is life-giving. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It is our compass in life to find the will of God and our purpose. So as we hear the word this morning, I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God will breathe on this word and change it from Logos word into Rhema word so that we can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is not just saying to us as an individual, but us as a church. And I thank you for the anointing as I have decreased to rise up to teach and preach your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our current series is called Living in the Overflow. Say that with me. Say Living in the Overflow. As we wind up our series and prepare for our destiny-changing day of worship through giving, we must maintain, say maintain, we must maintain momentum knowing that all things are possible to those who believe and function in unity. I'm going to say that again. We must maintain momentum knowing that all things are possible to him that believes and for those who function in unity. Amen. So we're going to continue and complete our lesson this morning on the power of over and above giving. How many remember the, uh, the show that J.J. was a part of? What was that, the name of that? How many remember seeing that, that show, Good Times? Remember he used to sing this song, uh, uh, Tighter Than Pantyhose, Two Sides Month? How, how did it go? Together we stand. United we fall. We're tighter than pantyhose, two sizes small. Y'all ain't never heard that. I mean, how much truth was in that? Together we stand. Divided we fall. Well, how many know for us to move from this location to our location on 360, it must be a unified effort. So I want you to go to Genesis chapter 11 very quickly. Genesis 11 before I dive into this morning's lesson. Genesis chapter 11. Here's the point I want to make as we go into this morning's lesson. Every God endeavor will always take faith, fearlessness, works behind our faith for it to come to pass. I'm going to say that again. Every God endeavor. Say God endeavor. Every God endeavor will always take some faith. It's going to take some fearlessness and then works behind our faith for it to come to pass. Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. This was the story about the people in the Tower of Babel. And basically, they were trying to build a tower up to heaven. Can you imagine that? They were trying to build a natural tower to go up to heaven. But I want you to see 
what God said about that. Look in verse 6. It says, and the Lord said. Well, look in verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built it. Verse 6. And the Lord said. Who said? The Lord said, behold, the people is one. That sounds like Ebonics, don't it? The people is one. The people is one. And they have all one language. Say one language. And this they begin to do. Watch this now. And nothing, now nothing, now nothing will be what? Restrained from them which they have imagined to do. In other words, God said because they were unified, even though it looked as if it was an impossible situation, their unity caused it to be possible. Amen. Now, the word one there, he said when the people are one, that means alike. It means united. And then the word restrained there means withheld, or watch this now, inaccessible by height or fortification. So what he was saying here is that nothing will be restrained or inaccessible by height or fortification because these people are one. And as we as a church unify ourselves with the vision, guess what's going to happen? And I've never seen God not do this. Anytime God has a vision and we get involved in it, then he gets involved in our vision. Somebody say amen to that. Now, go to 1 Chronicles. We're going to finish up our lesson here. 1 Chronicles, that's in the Old Testament. Keep your ribbon there. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. We've been talking about over and above giving. And giving should always be done with purpose, fueled with passion, motivated by purity, and always taken personal. That was our first point. Giving, say giving. Giving should always be done with purpose, fueled with passion, motivated by purity, and always taken personal. And last week, we discovered that uh, the foundation for our giving should always have purpose. And in 1 Chronicles 29.1, it says here, Furthermore, David the king said unto the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet still young and tender, and the work is great, watch this now, for the palace or the house of God is not for man, but who is it for? It's for God or it's for the Lord God. And so we see here because the context of that chapter is going to talk about them giving. And he was saying the reason why we're giving is the purpose for it is for the house of God. Amen. And so David knew that what he was doing was for God and it wasn't just for man. And that's very important for you to know because if not, you know, if man makes you mad, you'll stop doing it. Amen. I mean, it's like being married. You just can't quit and say, I want a divorce just because your spouse gets you upset. You're in that thing for life. Amen. And so David gave with purpose and he gave to the house of God. And I said this last week, anytime something is done for God will always result in receiving something from God. Amen. Then the second thing we looked at was that giving should be done with passion. Say passion. And we talked about anything that you take pleasure in involves some type of passion. And we looked at different scriptures regarding that. I want to look at a different scripture this morning. If you would, go to Colossians. Keep your hand there now. We're going to come back. Go to Colossians chapter 3. I quoted this verse last week, but I didn't turn to it. And I want to turn to it because there's a key word in that verse that I want you to focus in on. Colossians chapter 3. Giving should always be done with passion. Say this with me. Say giving Giving. should always be done 
with passion. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, look in verse 2. He says now, look in verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Watch verse 2. Set your affection on things above. Whose responsibility does does that sound like? It sounds like ours. You know, we want God to put some desires in our heart and that's okay. But he said here, we need to set our affections on things what? On things above. Watch this now. And not on things, what? On the earth. The word affection, which is what I want you to see, because it's also an alternate word that we can use for passion. It means to intensively interest oneself in a certain concern. That's what that means. When you look up the word affection in the Greek, it means to intensively interest oneself in a certain concern. So what God was saying in that verse is set your affections, set intensively your interest toward a certain thing. And when you do that, when God is number one in your life, you know what? It don't matter what God wants you to do. Amen. Amen. Especially if you know your shortcomings and your own sin. Amen. All right. And then we looked at giving should be done out of sincerity and out of purity. Now go to 2 Corinthians 9. Go to 2 Corinthians 9. We covered one of these words in the verse, but I want to cover the second word in this verse because it was so awesome and it will give you a word picture of what God was saying in 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, of course, which is our uh, verse for the year that God will cause all favor to abound toward us. But look in verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. It says, every man according as he purposes where? In his heart. So let him what? Give. So where do you give from? You give from your heart. Never give from your head. If you give from your head, your head will talk you out of it every single time. See, your head has your bills in it. You know, it has your obligations in it. I mean, my head right now can tell you what I'm going to do with this $10,000 that I'm trying to. I'm still scrummaging right now. I'm scrummaging right now. I'm going to get it though. Praise the Lord. Well, your head is different from your heart. He says, let every man purpose in his heart. So let him what? Give, not grudgingly, which we talked about last week, week, which means grievously. But then he says, nor out of what? Out of necessity. Now, this is an interesting word. That word necessity, it means imposed by external conditions of things. Everybody say imposed. Listen to what he was saying. I'm going to read the verse with that definition in there. It says, every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, nor, watch this now, out of imposed external conditions. You say, well, what do you mean by that? You pay your electricity note because you are imposed to pay that. You pay your house note because you're what? You're imposed to pay that. But it also means out of law, duty, or distress. And sometimes, especially growing up in traditional churches, that's the way they wanted us to give. That's why. Now, now part of what they did was biblical. And I'm going to show you that uh, uh, at the latter part of my lesson. Part of them walking around the table, that was actually biblical. But that ain't why everybody walked around the table. How many have been in church before and you didn't have nothing to give so you were going to sit in your seat and the, the usher was like. No, you coming. You are coming. 
And then that's, those are the people that touch the table, you know, when they walk by. Because they didn't want to walk by anyway. Well, sometimes that was imposed stress. Amen. And that's not the way God wants us to give. He wants us to give willingly. And we saw last week that. But this week now, I want to focus on giving should be personal. Say personal. And I have at least 15 minutes to deal with just that. So let's go back now on the First Chronicles 29. Go back to First Chronicles 29. Finally, we should always take our giving personal. Why? Because giving is a reflection of who we really are and how much we love God. See, people don't understand the way you give to a person is your reflection of how much you love that person. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know about that. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. And so giving is an external expression of how much we love God and who we really are. Well, in 1 Chronicles 29, look in chapter 2, I mean, uh, verse 2. He says, now this is, this, this is uh, David talking. Now, I thought this was interesting. Now he says, I have prepared. Say prepared. He didn't just pull it out of his pocket. He says, I have prepared with... How much? All of my might for the house of my God, the gold for things of gold and the things for silver and the brass and iron and wood and onyx and stones. Then verse 3 says, moreover, because I have set my what? Affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good. He said, I'm taking this out of my pocket of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God. Read it with me. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Now, the reason I read that, because I'm going to reread it now, and I'm going to show you that David took his giving personal. Do you know that David said the words, I, my, and mine, ten times in two verses? Now, normally when we're saying I, and that's one of the first words kids learn. Mine. Especially if you have more than one kid. Whenever you hear the words my and I and mine tend to kind of show the, it, it seems personal or selfish. Am I right? Now, here's what I want you to do this time as I read the verse. I'm going to have you now to circle in your Bible. Yeah, you can write in your Bible. I want you to circle in the Bible now these personal, uh, pro, is that a pronoun? What is that? Personal nouns. What is that? English teacher. What is the pronoun? I want you to circle these pronouns. Verse 2, we're starting. Now I, circle I, have prepared with my, circle my, all of my might for the house of my God, circle my, the gold for things of gold and silver, and keep going. And we're going to jump down now in verse 3. How many we got circled so far? Three. Watch verse Watch verse 3. Moreover, because I, circle I, have set my, circle my, affection to the house of my God, circle my, I, circle I, have of mine, circle mine, own proper good and silver, which I, circle I, have given to the house of my, circle my, God, over and above all that I have prepared for the Holy House. Boy, he took his giving personal, didn't he? 
I mean, if that's not personal giving, I don't know what is. And that's the way you got to give. It's got to mean something. You know what? If it don't mean something to you, it don't mean nothing to God. Now, let me read this. I thought this was interesting out of the message translation. Watch this now. Let me give you a side note. How we give to God is a reflection of our relationship with him. See, you don't give to people you don't really love. Amen. And then, have you ever been around people and they say they love you, but every time they give you something, they're marking it down on a piece of paper? So by the time you get to them, they got this big old laundry list. Well, I did this and I did this and I did this. Well, I thought you did that because you was just doing it. Amen. So how we give to God is a reflection of our relationship with, with, uh, with God. And David's giving was not only personal but sacrificial. Listen to what 1 Chronicles 29 verses 3 through 5 says in the message translation. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to point out one particular part. He says, furthermore, because my heart is in this, in addition to and beyond what I have gathered... I'm turning over my personal fortune of gold and silver. I thought that was interesting. And you know, sometimes, write this down, it is not until God asks something from us that is personal or priceless that our love for him can be expressed. I'm going to say that again. It is not until God asks something from us that is personal or priceless, that our love for him is expressed. Now go to Genesis chapter 22. Go to Genesis 22. Let me uh, show you this scripture and then I'm going to give you a personal example. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Let me show you this. See, it's not until you have to give up something that me. See, if, if I have some jeans and, and you needed some, and it's a pair that I don't wear. It didn't bother me. I don't wear them. Especially if I don't, I grew them. You know what I'm saying? You know, my belly didn't stick it out a little bit and then they don't fit no more. I don't mind giving you those jeans because they really didn't cost me nothing. Even if I paid a lot for the jeans, since they don't fit me no more, even though they cost me a lot then, they're not costing me nothing now because I can't wear them. Watch this now. In Genesis chapter 22, what verse did I tell you to go? Okay, look in verse 3. Genesis 22, 3. Watch this now. And now, let me just say this. God tested Abraham. Say tested. See, God don't tempt us. The Bible says God don't tempt us, and he don't tempt with evil. So when you see temptations, that's not God testing you. That's just your flesh tempting you. Okay, that's a big difference now. But God will test us because if we didn't have tests, we wouldn't know where we are. Sometimes we can think we love God at this level and we really at this level. But the only way to know is for him to test us. And God tested Abraham. He told Abraham, now you have to understand, Abraham was 90 years old when God promised him Isaac, his son. But he didn't get Isaac until he was 100 years old. So 10 years went by for him to receive the promise of God. But the Bible says Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He didn't give up on what God had promised. And so what happened is God had asked Abraham, I want you to give me the son that I gave you. The only son of his bosom. Watch this now. Verse 2. And he said, uh, uh, look in verse, verse 1 so I can 
really interpret this properly. And it came to pass after those things that God did tempt Abraham. When you look that word tempt up, it means to test. He tested Abraham and said, Abraham, he says, behold, I'm here. He says, I want you to take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And I want you to go into the land of Moriah. And I want you to offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Wow. God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. Watch this now. Verse 3. And Abraham went home and told his wife and said, I ain't doing that. Is that what he said? Nah. It says, and Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, he clave some wood for the burnt offering. He rose up. He went to the place that God had told him. If you notice what Abraham, I want you to notice what Abraham didn't do. Abraham didn't go and tell his family what God told him to do. Because see, some of those folks, they'd be like, God would not tell you to do that. He, well, I don't know what God, God may not tell you to do it, but God told me to do it. Okay, now watch what happened in verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. He saw the place thereof afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad, watch this now, will go yonder and worship. Watch this now. Here's a word of faith. And we and, and come again unto you. He said, you know what? God told me to offer up my son, but God will never ask me to give up something he don't give me more of. He told those people, he said, we're going up to worship, and then we're coming back down again. Watch this now. Abraham took the wood in verse 6. He laid it upon his son Isaac. He took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they both went together. Isaac said unto his son, see, people think Isaac was a little bitty baby. He was not a little bitty baby because if you notice, he laid the wood upon Isaac. So Isaac was old enough to carry wood and to walk up this mountain. Look, verse 7. Can you imagine what's going on in his mind? So Isaac decides to ask daddy a question. Daddy. He says, here am I. He says, behold, here's the fire and here's the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? He's like, wait a minute now. We done done this before. (laughs) But, 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 but I don't see the animal that we're going to sacrifice. Now, how many know if Abraham had told Isaac, Isaac wouldn't have went with Abraham. He'd have ran away from home. Just like some of y'all, y'all ran away from home. Watch this now. Verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told of them. And Abraham built an altar there. He laid the wood uh, in order. And watch this now. He bound Isaac his son. And he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand. I want you to watch this now. And he took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out of heaven and said, Abraham! He said, here I am. He says, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do him do anything unto him. For now, say now. Watch this now because we're talking about personal giving. He says, now that thou fearest God, seeing that you have not withhold thine only son from me. Amen. God said to Abraham, you know what? I see that you fear me now because you were still willing to give up something that meant a lot to you. And that's what personal giving is about. What it is, it's, see, it's, you can give with your hand but not with your heart. But you can't give with your heart without giving with your hand. 
Y'all hear that? Okay. So let me show you this. Uh, th- write down 1 Kings 17, 9. That's just talking about the widow woman. She gave. It was sacrificial. But she gave. It was a personal gift because it was something and all that she had. Now, uh, go to first, well, go to Hebrews 11. Go to Hebrews 11. We'll, we'll close right here. Go to Hebrews 11. Let me show you what Abraham's mindset was when God had told him to give his son. Because, you know, I'm sure a lot of things was going on in Abraham's mind. Oh, my goodness. God is telling me to kill my son. Well, see, first of all, back in those days, they sacrificed children. You know, none real God people did, you know, just like these days. There are people that sacrifice animals and all that kind of stuff, and they don't need to do that anymore. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham knew, watch this now, that God was able to return what he was willing to give. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, and let's look in verse 17. Hebrews eleven seventeen. Are you there? Say, I'm there. Watch what it says. By faith, what? How did he do it? See, you can't give a personal gift. You got to do it by faith. Amen. You got to do it by faith. It's just like when I gave my Rolex years ago. That was the most expensive item I had at the time. And then my wife, okay, her watch, she had a Concord, solid gold, diamonds with a, with a uh, what, what kind of face was that on there? Mother Pearl face. Her watch actually cost more than mine. Now, at the time, I think I paid $7,500. This is back in the day. Except, no, I'm not that far back in the day. But I think I paid with tax about eight grand for my, my uh, watch. But I paid more for her watch than mine. Because I bought mine used. I bought hers brand new, right? Well, when I'm in the service and the Lord just puts it on my heart. This is years ago with my pastors. It was at a conference. And he just, he just puts it on my heart to give my watch away. And I had a problem with that. I'm not, y'all know the story, but I'm sitting next to my wife and uh, a frown just comes on my face. And she looks at me and she says, what's wrong? I said, well, the Lord just told me to give my Rolex. Well, she was very compassionate. Well, you better get up and give it then. I was like, well, praise the Lord. Thank you for your consoling. How many know you need a wife that's going to push you to do the right thing? So as I sat there, as I sat there, I said, man, man. Because, you know, your mind starts going around and around. And I had a nice Rolex. And I had blinged it out. You know, it had, you know how you have brush gold where that's not shiny? I took the band and had it high polished. So it was just like bling. Then I had a diamond dial on there. And, oh, man, it was just blinging. And I just sat there for a while before I went to give that, that, that watch. I said, I might as well enjoy this watch for the next five minutes. So I sat there. I'm not kidding you. And I started rubbing my watch. I was like, what are you doing? I'm giving my watch a funeral. I really enjoyed you the time I had you. And I wiped it up. And then when I gave mine, God didn't tell my wife to give hers. But she said, I'm going to follow your faith. Because, see, sometimes you may not have what you want to give in a liquid form. See, at the time, that was the biggest offering I was able to give. I wasn't expecting to give it because had God told me, hey, you're going to give your watch away when you get down to Houston, I'd have left it down here. (laughs) I'm just being honest with you. 
I'd have left it right here. <laughs> crazy. Let me give you a watch. I left it. I left it. I left it. Oh, you want this one? No problem, God. Here you go. Here's the Timex. Praise the Lord. When we give, let me just finish reading Abraham. Where did I say? Where did I tell you to go? I done got all off. Hebrews 11, 17. Let's read this real quick and we'll wrap up. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. And, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Watch this now. Of whom it was said that Isaac shall thy seed be called. But I want you to see uh, Abraham's mentality. He says, accounting that God was able to raise Isaac up even from the dead. From whence he also received him in a figure. Abraham walked up the mountain seeing him coming down the mountain with Isaac. And when you sow your seed next week. Don't see your seed going into the ground only. See your seed coming back in a multiplied state. Amen. Amen. When we give personally, we should always give with love being the influencer. The Bible says in John 3.16, for God so what? Love the world that he gave. And so 1 Corinthians 13.13, you can write that down. It says, and now abides faith. Hope and charity or love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Don't do it because we have a building. Do it because you love God. When you do over and above giving, it's always required four things. You can write this down. Discipline, denial of self, or you could say sacrifice, doing what is in the heart, and then number four, Daring or daring to have a dream after you do that. Abraham had a dream that even though God was asking from him something that he prized and he possessed, God said, I got something better for you. And I'm going to say this to you and we'll close right here. God will never ask you to do something that he has not been willing to do himself. You know why Abraham couldn't kill Isaac? Because he would have been the first person to actually offer up his son. And God said, I can't let him do it before I do it. And now because Jesus, God did it through Jesus, we don't have to do it now. Amen. Amen. And so next week, you come find, bring some folks that ain't never seen nothing, because we're going to do it separately. Bring some folks that ain't never seen nothing. And uh, you know what I believe? Now, you can't tell the second service this. I think we're going to outgive them. No, I'm serious. Because y'all be out giving them on Sunday sometimes. And it's double them. So we the steroid service. Amen. Did you get something out of this morning's lesson? Praise the Lord.